Well, I don't ever remember Ash Wednesday falling on Valentine's Day, and that's because I went and looked it up. It hasn't happened since 1945 that these two days have fallen. Now, maybe there's a few of us here who might remember that going back a few days. What's interesting, though, is it's going to happen very quickly again in 2024 and in 2029. We'll have this same thing, Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. Here's one thing, this is a little side note, a factoid, that has never happened in the history of the church, and that is for Ash Wednesday to fall on Leap Day, February 29th. It will happen, though, in the year 2096. I don't think I will be here to see that one. But I was thinking about it. Since 1945, the last time this happened, Valentine's Day, of course, has become a huge deal. It's bigger. It's obviously more commercialized. Only do we spend more money on Christmas and, believe it or not, Halloween. Makes sense out of that. We spend more on Halloween than you do Valentine's Day. It actually looks like Halloween outside tonight. But we spend more on Christmas, Halloween, and then, of course, Valentine's Day. And that's kind of what it's become. But I think what's interesting is, though, it all started originally with a saint day on the calendar of the church, but that is no longer because St. Valentine's Day was actually removed from the church calendar because history is just too unclear about who he really was. But there's one story I thought that was very interesting, and that is that he was martyred by the Roman Emperor Claudius II because Claudius wanted to use all the single men for his army, and what Valentine did, St. Valentine, is he was marrying all the Christian men off. And so I guess there's probably the connection to a day of love and romance. I would suggest, though, that as ironic as this is, Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, starting our Lenten journey today is, I think it's, it's a good thing. It gives us something to reflect on. I think it's instructive. Because as I meditated on this, Lent is all about repentance. And what is repentance, really? At the very heart, repentance is falling in love with Jesus all over again. It's returning to your true love. That's what the prophet Joel was calling us to do. Now, talking about Jesus in romantic terms might weird us out a little bit, especially those of us guys that are here not the way we're used to thinking about God, but it is not only a very powerful biblical image for salvation, it's the very thing that all of our earthly romances that we're so passionate about, all of those are actually supposed to point us towards this, to the one great love affair of all time, of the love affair that God has with His people, Christ the groom and His church, us, the bride. Listen with me, for example, to these rather romantic excerpts of Psalm 45, which speaks of Israel's king, but foreshadows Jesus, the king, and his bridal princess, the church. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has blessed you forever. God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. And then it turns. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. 
How glorious is the princess in her chamber with robes interwoven with gold and many-colored robes. She is led to the king with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. It's a wedding scene. It's filled with love and romance. And the Bible is filled with this kind of imagery. It begins with a marriage of Adam and Eve. It ends with a marriage, the lamb and his bride in the book of Revelation. And one of the most romantic and the most erotic love poems that was ever written is right in the very middle of the Bible called Song of Solomon. And many of the early church's fathers and her mystics also saw that in the event of Jesus' crucifixion, that he was there consummating his union with us the marriage of heaven and earth. St. Augustine even refers to the cross as the marriage bed. Because you see, there Christ gave himself completely to his bride in sacrifice. This is my body given for you. Isn't this what every spouse does in marriage? When the couple exchanges rings, one of the vows that can be said is this, with this ring I marry you, my worldly goods I give to you, and with my body I honor you. Now again, if this kind of romantic talk about God makes us recoil just a little bit, I ask you to look into your heart. Where might there be a little bit of distortion? See, we're not trying to romanticize or to sexualize the sacred, just the opposite. This makes sacred the romantic and the sexual. We don't start with our distorted, warped, twisted, and sinful misunderstandings of love. We listen to the Lord and we let Him teach us about what true love is. I mean, who do you think's got love right? God, who is love, or us? Among other things, shouldn't the hashtag MeToo movement that's been going on in the press, shouldn't that remind us that we don't have love right yet? But see, here's the beautiful thing, that when we fall in love with Jesus, He redeems our love, and He teaches us how to truly love. He offers hope and reconciliation to the most hopeless and to the heartbroken, including to some of us and to some of our marriages. Yeah, there is a connection here, isn't there, between Valentine's Day at falling on the start of Lent and Ash Wednesday? And yet there's also a contrast. Think of the things that we do during these different days. For Valentine's Day, we buy luscious chocolates and we indulge, right? <laughs> but for Lent, we fast. We say no. But you see, for true love, you have to say no in order to say yes. When someone gets married, they say yes to the person they're marrying, and they say no to everyone else. There's a reason why idolatry, which is worshiping a false god and serving a false god, was often called adultery by the prophets. Because you see, with our cheating hearts, we want to say yes to Jesus, but also yes to everything else that we desire. That's why Holy Church in Lent calls us to say no. 
to fast, to abstain from our appetites and our desires and our cravings, where we look to find comfort and good feelings and and actually a perverted sense of being loved. And yet, (laughs) all the chocolate in the world can't truly love you, right? We must say no so that we can say yes to Jesus, who is our one and true love. Second, instead of gaudy, oversized, $7 greeting cards meant to say that once a year, profound, verbose, I love you, in Lent we're called now to spend more time in prayer. Quite simply, a relationship that doesn't talk, that doesn't communicate, well, what happens? But one that does, it flourishes. That's what prayer is, friends. It's It's talking with God and listening to Him. We must pray more. And finally, instead of flowers or maybe jewelry for some of you who are really big spenders, for Lent we instead give alms to the poor. Because in the face of the poor we see the face of Jesus. Our love for Him is our love for them. This year for Lent we have a truly beautiful Lenten project called Nueva Esperanza, or New Hope for Girls. It's a home in the Dominican Republic that, res- that rescues vulnerable young women and even little girls from the pervasive and the very sick human trafficking that happens there. One of our members went there last year on a mission trip, and he helped them to build a dining room in this home. And so what we want to do this year with our Lenten offerings is we want to supply for that dining room a giant dinner table so that these sisters of ours can know that they have a place at the table of Jesus, that they are welcome into his family. We want to show them true love and that they have dignity and that they are made for so much more. So passion. I mean, that's what all the advertisers and all the talk about Valentine's today, passion. Well, today we start a journey towards a very different passion. To the passion of our Lord and to his suffering and his death, his passing over from death to life, all for love, all for us. No true love is without sacrifice, without giving yourself completely to the one that you love. And so we have on our traditional colors of black today for Ash Wednesday. We've all now got black crosses smudged on our foreheads, while the rest of the world wears red, and many of us are too, wearing red for Valentine's Day. But that's not so bad. Because as we're going to sing in just a moment, His love ran red for us. His blood shed for us, all for love, all for us, true love. And by the way, if you didn't know this, one more factoid, Easter will fall on April Fool's Day this year. What a weird year. (laughs) How ironic. Many think that we are fools for pursuing love this Lent as we are doing. 
And they think even more that we are fools because we believe a Jewish rabbi that the Romans killed some 2,000 years ago, we believe he's alive. And then he lives among us. But you know what they say, right? (laughs) Only fools fall in love. May we fall deeply in love with Jesus this Lent, my brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Let us gather now our offering.